Everybody for Cryptocurrent, I'm Stephen Miller, and you are watching The Aftershock, the show where we bring you the latest and greatest in the world of Web3. Today, I am joined by my co-host, Richard Carthon. Richard, how are you this lovely afternoon? Doing well. Uh, just came off of the Thanksgiving holiday here in the States and had a really good one. Uh, ate some good food, had, to, had some family in town, and uh, fried my first turkey. So uh, that part's good. The rest of the crypto stuff, you know, we still got a bunch of unraveling of all the FTX stuff. We're going to get into all that. But it was it was nice to be able to turn my brain off for a couple of days and just enjoy some time with family. But how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Normally, we have a pretty big Thanksgiving over here. We had a very, very packed table this year, but no, no fried turkey on our side. Um, I decided this year to do things the, um, let's just call it the easy way, and got us a, a honey-baked turkey and a honey-baked ham. So I am feeling nice and right after Thanksgiving, but I am jealous of you because I love having a fried turkey at the table. What'd you think of that experience? Oh, it was great. Luckily, I was able to learn from an absolute professional. And my father, he has messed over enough turkeys over the years to be able to give me the the cheat codes. So it came out, came out great. So feel good about it. Up, down, up, down, A, B, right? That's, That's right. That's the cheat code. All right, man. Well, look, We've got a big show ahead for you guys today. We're going to get you all updated on what's going on in Web3 and, of course, get you the latest from the metaverse. And we do that by jumping into the Aftershock. So again, if, you've, if this is your first time joining us, make sure that you like and subscribe over on YouTube. And of course, give us a follow wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We're going to jump right into things with this week's Aftershock. Let's get it. The Aftershock. At the top of the Web3 lightning round this week, we have a really interesting privacy policy update that got released from MetaMask earlier on in the week. And that specifically said they will be collecting IP addresses and Ethereum addresses going forward. Um, Richard, this is very, very surprising. And I think that it just kind of goes forward with this bigger compliance push um, that they want to make sure they're in the good graces of all the regulators. But it is not all bleak. Okay, because with MetaMask, it is open source software. You can, you know, change your RPC to prevent data collection from the company that, that um, runs MetaMask. So it's not all bleak. But what is your take on this specific story? This is tough. So for a lot of ways, MetaMask has been used as the first way to learn about altcoins, to learn about the, you know, uh, Ethereum virtual machines, be able to get some of these different alts built on top of Ethereum, getting into the NFT space, et cetera. And it was like a really good staple of like, what did it mean to, you know, be in crypto, be decentralized, et cetera. After this whole FTX thing, they see the writing on the walls that is MetaMask's company of regulation is coming. And they know that more and more regulators are going to become knocking on their doors and they're trying to get in front of things to be a little bit more compliant. So I understand them having to do that. And I don't necessarily fault them for doing it. It just hurts. When this news came out, it was like kind of crushing because it's like, ah, we're kind of taking steps backwards, but we have to because we have to. And it just, it just, it's, it's tough. It's a tough one because a lot of people think this is an overreach. And I'm not sure I disagree, but after what I've learned from a couple of my friends in the industry across the last couple of months, like shifting to a different RPC is not all that bad. You know, there are private RPCs out there that allow you to 
you know, move forward in a more trustless fashion. You don't have to use the specific gateway, because that's what an RPC basically is, a specific gateway from one particular node operator. The node operator in this case is MetaMask. So I wouldn't be hopeless about this. I think there's definitely upside. There's, you know, some positive things to be taken from it, but it's an important reminder to people that you can change up the way your MetaMask wallet works, right? So let's go ahead and leave that one there and carry the ball forward to Binance. So Binance this past week announced they're allocating another billion dollars to its crypto recovery fund. This, of course, is on the heels of all the crypto turmoil that we've had in the industry across the last couple of months. Um, Do you think that this is going to be the last additional allocation they add to the recovery fund? Or do you think that we're going to be seeing um, an official slowdown to that going into um, the new year? I think it'll eventually slow down, but I don't think it's the last one. I think they're going to raise a couple more funds. They're actually kind of taking uh, SBF's approach back when all these other companies were failing where they were trying to get fire sales of, of companies and cryptos at a discount. Now, the difference was, obviously, all the news came out about what was really happening with the, the companies they were buying and basically taking those uh, that liquidity and then keeping the pyramid scheme going over at FTX. The difference here is because Binance is doing a lot more to show proof of funds and everything else. When they go and buy all these things, you can see that it's coming, this billion dollars is coming from this fund. And I think that's very smart for them to set it up in that way so that you can follow the money. Um, But also it's a business decision. Like if you can go buy something at a discount, you're going to go do it. And they're basically saying, here's the money that we're going to use for all these transactions. Here you go. Just to kind of show that separation. Yeah, it's it's interesting, man. Like I I think that they probably have another raise in them to put put together another fund, but it needs to slow down because otherwise you're right. They are going to too closely resemble what they did over at FTX. So they can't just keep stacking up more and more liabilities. It'll be interesting to see how this one plays out, but let's go on to the next story. And that is, of course, because we can't go a week without talking about them on this show, um, going to Alameda Research. That, of course, is the world's, the formerly world's largest crypto hedge fund um, that was directly tied to FTX. It just came out this past week after the bankruptcy filing that Alameda actually withdrew $204 million ahead of that bankruptcy filing. Some just add to the, the shady behavior, right? Alameda's Caroline Ellison, their CEO, has officially fled Hong Kong to Dubai. Why? Because there is no extradition there. So to me, like we just keep stacking up more and more criminal activity. And where does it end? Nobody knows. Um, but what I can tell you is all of it's going to be documented because the directors behind the Avengers franchise is officially bringing an FTX miniseries to Amazon. Richard, like we've talked about so many like different crypto scandals and scams over the course of the last two years alone that like we could probably start creating a series of our own. My question to you is how much further are we going to be kicking the can down the road here on this specific story? Do you think that we're going to have more coming out into the new year? Or do you think that we have everything wrapped up with a bow in time for Christmas? It's going to take months. When you have billions of dollars wiped out as quickly as it did, and then, oh, all of a sudden, the money that was left on it got scammed out on a backdoor or whatever. And oh, all of a sudden the CEO is running away to another country. And I was like, 
this is truly like a Hollywood script happening in real life. Like you can't make this up. And yet we're watching this train wreck day after day after day. And it's, it's, it's frustrating. We've been enduring this for a couple of weeks now, but we haven't, I don't think we've seen the end of this anytime soon. How about you? Do you think we're getting close to the end or how much more we got in front of us? I mean, to me, the big thing is that you've got influencers and crypto news personalities at this point that are at the stage of the cycle where they are so hungry for views and engagement that they're now in the Bahamas trying to engage with SBF or, you know, sitting on his car or outside of his apartment building. To me, that says that we are nearing a turning point. Because when the influencers are getting very, what's the word? They're getting caught up on trying to get the views. It means that we're slowing down in the news cycle. So to me, I want to see us move past this. But I I agree with you. I think the more and more stories are going to come out. The big one to me right now that I'm still a little bit shocked by is the clear media let's just call it collusion. It's been going on with the mainstream media about the FTX case because, for example, the New York Times posted a puff piece on F- on FTX and, and SBF like in the last two weeks. And they still plan on featuring him in one of their like big keynote events on the year. Like he's still set to speak. It just, these things just, they don't add up to me. And I think that the more that we continue to put attention on it and point it out to you, the listener at home, the more you can be aware of it. That's what's important. We want to make sure that everybody has an awareness towards what's going on in the market because at some point, the news cycle is going to shift away from this. The question really is a matter of when and at what point can we count on the the fallout being done? And I don't think the fallout's nearly done, but I think SBF going away is going to be a pretty big. Um, win across the board, but Caroline Ellison is definitely out of reach at this point, which is um, certainly frustrating based on everything we've learned about her. But let's talk well, about this last. Who, who knows, too. real quick? Just to add to that, real quick, who go knows? Ahead. Maybe she just maybe she's just taking a quick vacation to go watch the World Cup. Maybe she's going to be there for a couple of days and come on back. You do know that that Dubai is uh, in the UAE and Qatar is a completely different country, correct? No, I'm just on the internet, you know, humiliating myself. So I'll take that L. All right. Well, I'll, look, I'll while, wear you, it. While, you, while you take the L, let's give you the, the ability to redeem yourself. Go into the next story for us. All right. So we have crypto mining. And the main thing here is that BTC mining revenue is at a two-year low. Uh, so we have this inflection point where at what point does energy become too expensive and the amount of rewards that you get still profitable? And The big issue is that because the hash rate of these BTC miners is declining, then that means that margin keeps narrowing and getting shorter and shorter and shorter. So you have more and more of these Bitcoin miners who are just turning off their machines until uh, these Bitcoin prices go back up. So basically, a lot of the miners that still have their margins um, are are still fit to do really well and are, 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 are... Whenever this reverses course, they're going to you know, make a, a good potential amount of money. But the issue becomes, at, at what point is it unprofitable for them? And that's where things potentially get scary. And right now, that magic number is somewhere between 12000 and 10000 A lot of these BTC miners don't even have projections with Bitcoin price being below 10000 And so 
you don't want these massive Bitcoin mining comp- corporations to turn off their machines. Like that's that is that is really really not what we want here. So, well, it's something that we have to keep in mind. It's something you have to look forward to. Uh, so, it's something I'm going to start monitoring and, and bringing up on the show just to see where the the mining pieces is, is leveling out. And it also doesn't help that New York just banned uh, certain types of crypto mining uh, this past Friday, I believe. Um, and basically, it's saying that unless yeah, uh, the and, and it's only for a certain miners. So if you're an individual retail miner, uh, that you can still mine. But for the the big mining companies, they have to be able to offset their fossil fuels like to zero, and like that's a very tall task. It, like that same standard is not nearly the same for all these other businesses. So why is it for for crypto? So this is going to be scrutinized. This is going to be looked at, but. Uh, that that was a big piece of news that dropped, and I wouldn't be surprised if potentially other states follow suit. If uh, depending on how this pans out, yeah. Look, if there's one thing that's become really clear to me, it's that New York wants no part of crypto because the banking sector runs through New York. Um, that's the easiest way that you can understand this at home, because no other industry is scrutinized at this level when it comes to their carbon emissions and their electricity and energy offset with fossil fuels. It's absolutely insane. And frankly, it's the reason why a lot of these companies that are miners, they aren't located in New York anymore. So New York is just passing this legislation to basically guarantee that all of crypto mining moves out of New York. And if I'm a betting man, I actually think it's a probably smart move. Because all of these other companies are going to get taxed out of existence if they move to New York to mine, right? You're going to see more and more companies moving to Georgia, Florida, Texas, hopefully Arizona. But again, depending on how the election turned for them in November, that's going to be in question, right? If it's a more blue state, they're likely going to take this type of stance like you were saying. So I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm really over New York. Um, that's just where I'm at. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see what they're going to do into the future, but pay attention to, to Bitcoin miners uh, after going to getting a little bit more involved in the mining community and even going to the blocks, Texas Blockchain Summit a while ago. Um, it's important for the industry and the regulation and legislation that comes out around it is important as well. So uh, again, I will be here to help let everyone know what's going on in that neck of the woods. For sure. All right, let's move into the metaverse and catch up with what's going on in NFTs, crypto gaming, and other on-chain activities. So the Moonbirds collection has officially moved its art in chain. Um, And you may at home be wondering why this is a headline. And the reason is because a lot of NFT collections simply store their graphical data off-chain. And that means that they're able to backlink the on-chain collection to an off-chain repository for graphics so that essentially they're not storing or taking up as much um, data on-chain because it's really expensive to store all that data on-chain. The in-chain part of this is where the industry has kind of gone into a flurry over the last like 72 hours to the last week. And that's because there is a term for this already. It's called being on-chain. You have a number of collections that pioneered it. There are plenty others that are out there that have completely stored every graphical element of their collection on-chain. Moonbirds and their engineers, I think, wrote up too technical of a document, and 
convinced themselves that they were doing something completely novel and created this idea of what is in-chain. I see this as a big win for the entire on-chain NFT community because there's a lot of people that love the idea of all of this information, all the graphical components being stored on-chain. But from your perspective, do you think this was a mistake in terms of the way they communicated this? Or was this something that will ultimately play out better for them in the long term? Mistake. Like, there's so many unfortunate brands that come and try to just rebrand a thing. And sometimes it completely works and it goes well, it's well received, and they get credit for things. And this is not one of those moments, in my opinion. Uh, everything that they kind of list out on what makes in chain unique, the foundation and the blueprints already been theirs, has already been done. Um, for those who are listening to our podcast right now, uh, if you are on YouTube and for those watching on YouTube, if you look over at Steve, he has a really cool hat on and it's repping the on-chain monkey community. That's right, on-chain monkeys. And they've been doing this for a long time at this point. For Moonbirds to come in and to try to say that in-chain is this new revolutionary situation, I... I don't think it's being received well by the community. But what's your take on it? There have been a couple of really good threads that have been released on this across the last couple of weeks. Um, do, I, do I think that ultimately they're just trying to put a spin on it to get more attention? I do. Um, I can't recall who it was. I think it was one of their heads of engineering tried to rationalize why they did it the way they did. But Jimmy.eth was actually the one that I, I followed very closely and he was saying all these things about like, look, you could have just simply given a ton of respect to all the projects that have come before you and kind of joined their ranks. And it would have been a really like lovely thing across the industry to see that sort of thing happen, that camaraderie in a section of the market. Uh, but instead you didn't and you chose to try to make yourselves more novel than you are. I really hope that this plays out well for Moonbirds because honest to God, like their floor prices have been getting slashed all across the, you know, the spectrum since they went CCO. So I'm curious to see how it plays out, man. I just, based on the PR of it and the way that it looks right now, it does not look great. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. Then in that case, let's move on from the Moonbirds into um, a little discussion on crypto gaming. Now, this one's really interesting, and I know that you're going to have a big opinion on this one because I know you're a fan of GTA. So Rockstar Games has officially banned NFTs and crypto from its Grand Theft Auto fan servers. So this all has to do with Grand Theft Auto, the gaming franchise, online. Um, there have been a number of different mods for the game over time where you know, fans have created certain assets and different mods for the game to you know, hack the game, put in new you know, weapons, new features, aliens, all sorts of stuff. And because of the advent of NFTs, Rockstar knows that that is an inevitable, right? That's something that is going to be coming to gaming. So a lot of people are thinking to themselves, well, this is bad news for, you know, proponents of NFTs and crypto gaming, because if Rockstar's out on them or they're bearish on NFTs, what, there's no future. My counter to that is there have been a number of different gaming companies across the last two years that have all taken this exact same stance of banning it in the fan servers before they actually roll out their own NFT and crypto infrastructure in the game. This all precedes them, them rolling out the next 
um, big Grand Theft Auto game. So where do you sit on the spectrum with this one? Because I mean, I know that there are a lot of people that think this is terrible news. There are others that take the more optimistic side like me. Where do you sit in the, in the spectrum? Uh, my initial take is pessimistic. I think this is a gigantic boo. I don't like this rock star. Um, the opportunity that they could do with NFTs. Oh my gosh. Like, like you said, all the different mods, all the different ways that people creatively can come in and make new types of content on top of their existing content, then being able to monetize it and do even more cool stuff with it. I just think, I think it's a missed opportunity, but I also think that if they're banning it, they're probably going to try to do what they can to, they, they're do, they make, they make too much money from in game purchases and they just want to shut that down before it even comes. So like, I get it, but I think they're missing the upside on embracing the opportunity of NFTs. But tell me about your take. Yeah. I mean, you bring up a really good point there because like from the fan and the creator side of things, like this is a really, really big L because you know that the reason they do this, if they're going to roll out NFTs and crypto integrations in future GTA games, they're doing this because they want control over that marketplace. They want control over what digital collectibles are available in game. That's deeply problematic if like you are aiming to get more people involved in the game, right? That's you're going to only contain and only continue like retaining people who love the GTA franchise. If you had opened it up to outside creators and they could create new weapons, they could create new features, they could create new little like mods for the game, you could theoretically onboard millions more players into this franchise overnight. But because they want control, they're sacrificing that. So if you're a game creator at home, like that's what you need to be thinking about. You need to be thinking about, okay, what is the actual effect here? What is, what is this move actually saying? So I'm not, I'm not quite sure if I'm bullish or bearish on the news. I just think that we need more players in this space accepting and moving into NFTs and crypto. And I think Rockstar is about to do that. I'm just curious how friendly that move will be towards the creators. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it does. And ultimately, I think it's about the money. And I think that Rockstar thinks that, hey, we make enough money from this. We basically rolled out the exact same game over two different platforms and expanded our online and we're still raking in dough. We're just going to ride this gravy train until it makes sense not to. It makes a ton of sense for me. So let's go ahead and t take it into our next story. This one is um, a little interesting because last week we talked about Goblin Town and their video game they were rolling out with Atari X. This week, they've announced a toy collection. So I don't know how you feel about, you know, fidgetal goods and NFTs crossing that threshold into toys and collectible items in the real world. But they're moving forward with moving their grumples into, you know, physical goods. Now, this was a really cute collection. They ran off like basically as a secondary collection to the goblins. And frankly, I think they're kind of cute. I, I, I know that a lot of people would probably look at this thing and say like, what the hell is this? But they're creating a university. They've got a lot of IP. They've got an absolute creative genius at the helm in Process Gray. Um, I'm just very interested to see what they end up doing with Grumples by the end of it. Um, do you have any take on where this goes from here? Because I, I feel like if we had video games last week and toys this week, something else is going to come before Christmas. I think about the toys and like, who are the, you know, like, yes, yeah, so, uh, 
I don't know, maybe I'm going down a, a, a rabbit hole that can be explored a different day. But from a toy collectible standpoint, unless you're just trying to have it for that resale value in the future, which, you know, some of those exist, that's great. But like, if they're trying to like really make this like a toy, like for, you know, your younger people that are out there, then I imagine you then have to like try to turn this into a larger opportunity to create stories around those characters. So then that opens up storylines and other things. And they're creative enough to do that. Obviously that's a big vision, but I would not be surprised if they're working on all of that as well. Sorry, I clicked the wrong button. Um, what I do not recall is who they partnered with for this. It's in, the reason I bring this up is because there are a lot of other companies right now that are doing the same exact thing. Like they're trying to roll out Cryptoys. Um, Cryptoys is the big player in it. And they've already done big bigger partnerships. I believe with um, the most recent one was with He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. And they rolled out brand new crypto collectibles within their ecosystem. And it's basically like a pack break type of thing where like you open up a pack online, you see what you got, and then they'll ultimately ship you a physical version of it. Um, so you have both the digital and the physical of your specific masters of the universe collectible. I find that really interesting, especially because you've got different stats on each of these you know, characters. But how they do it in the future is going to be really interesting because you've got other players out there that are not exactly aligned with big toy manufacturers. Cryptoys is partnered with Mattel, right? One of the biggest toy makers worldwide. So I don't recall who it is they partnered with on this one, but I do remember it is a big deal. Um, I will definitely be watching this one very closely because I think that this is just like the tip of the iceberg for what Goblin Town and the Illuminati NFT project and Truth Labs have in store for their holders. Um, any final thoughts on this one before we go into our final story of the week? All right, let's hit the last one. This one is a stunner. Um, I don't think anybody was seeing this coming, but ApeCoin has been the talk of the town as it relates to their um, update on staking that just came out. Um, they've officially announced that ApeCoin staking will be going live, but that's not the news. The news is that all of staking will be geo-blocked meaning that if you are a U.S. citizen, you will not be able to stake. That means you're going to have to use a VPN to get around it, not financial advice. I'm not a big fan of this. I think that, you know, the fact they're trying to over KYC and over comply is, it's going to do more bad than good. And I think that a lot of people inside the community is starting to get frustrated. And that is very, very clear by the way of, you know, two of their premium apes having just sold this past week for about a million dollars each. What do you think about the entire ape coin ecosystem and how this coin has devolved through the, through the bear market so far? Yeah. Um, I imagine that a lot of holders of apes are US based. And the fact that, you know, the, the reason why you want to have ApeCoin is to participate within the Board Ape metaverse community. And if you're not able to participate in staking, which is usually a big revenue driver for a lot of, and, and upholds the price for a lot of the, the holders of, of the coin, that's a 
that's a challenge. It's a big challenge. And like you said, it's going to frustrate a lot of people who are holders and who are holders in the U.S. Now, obviously, there are ways around that, but it's also there shouldn't have to necessarily be an extra hurdle to try to get around or be able to participate. And your premium apes that just sold for a million dollars that a year ago could have sold for five to 10 easy. Like it's uh that's not a good look. It's not a good look. Like, like, like Steve said, these aren't, these weren't just any apes. These were like some of the rarest ones. And yes, a million dollars is a lot of money, but it's a significant discount compared to what it was. I hate to say it this way, but like this is a reminder for those of you at home that are still pretty deeply diversified in NFTs that you need to be thinking about your portfolio and what collections have the most potential to really run long term. I think that Board Ape is going to be here for a while, but if you have massive sell offs at the top of the collection going on right now, like that will have a trickle down effect more lower you know, tier holders are going to feel like, man, maybe like it's time that I move, right? Maybe it's time that I get out. And that's never a good look. It's never a good look. I'm not saying this is the end. I'm not saying this is the end at all. But I think a lot of people are starting to get really, really on edge about ApeCoin and the way that certain proceedings have been happening behind the scenes with Yuga Labs. So... I'll be watching this one pretty closely as time goes on, obviously. But it's a good reminder to continue to evaluate what you have because there will be some winners that come out of this bear market in the NFT community, but not all of them will be winners. It's just an important thing to keep in mind, right? Well, look, that's going to do it for this week's Aftershock. We do appreciate everybody for coming out and listening to the show, whether it was over on your podcast platforms or over on YouTube. If you did watch on YouTube, please make sure you give us a subscribe, like the video, let us know in the comments what you thought of our content this week. And of course, make sure you're following the show over on your favorite podcast platforms. We've got great content that we put out here every single week on Mondays and Wednesdays. Wednesdays, of course, are for the Aftershock and Mondays are for our interview series. Richard, who did you sit down with for your interview this week? Um, So... This week, um, as I quickly pull this up, sorry about that. Um, I was looking at a, sorry, everyone, my computer decided to absolutely uh, freeze up. So I'm just going to talk to you for a quick second as I pull this up. How about that? <laughs> I was about to say, dude, if, if you need me to riff, I'm happy to riff. Um, it was a great interview and everybody should go listen to it. That's that's about as easy as I can make it for you. Yes. Um, okay. There we go. So we had uh, Amid Ismail with uh, Fluid. Uh, what's really cool about what they're doing over at Fluid is they're transforming digital asset markets and allowing you to look at different uh, tools using their their artificial intelligence and, and other things to give you more liquidity into different types of uh, crypto opportunities. So. Um, it was an interesting conversation. Uh, he's really uh, intelligent, had a lot to say about different ways that you can be strategic during this bear, bearish times. So definitely one to, to go and listen to. Definitely check that out. And of course, you can come back next week for another great interview on Monday, followed by our Art Basel special on the Aftershock, giving you a quick update of what happened during Art Basel in Miami. It's one of the biggest events of the year for the NFT community. 
And just before that, of course, you've got two other big events that happen simultaneously. You've got Metaverse Miami, which I'll be at on Monday and Tuesday, which is November 28th and 29th. And that goes straight into DecentralCon. So please, if you're in the Miami area, come out. It's going to be a great time. If you find me, I will probably not have a voice because if you couldn't tell, my voice is pretty close to shot right now. Thanks a lot, Thanksgiving. But to, the, to those of you at home, we appreciate you coming out and listening to the show. Um, please come back, join us next week. And we hope in the meantime, that you stay cryptocurrent. We'll catch you next time. Peace. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cryptocurrent. Cryptocurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the Cryptocurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. This show and any other Cryptocurrent production is exclusively for informational purposes. 